The views and opinions of today's broadcast are not necessarily the views and opinions of the TJRS radio network. Thank you for being a loyal listener and enjoy the show. Online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS radio network. You may write me down in history with your bitter twisted lies. You may trod me in the very dirt, but still like dust, I'll rise. Good morning and welcome to the serious side of the Jay Rouse Show, the show where we discuss politics, social issues affecting people of color, and every now and then a little comedy as well. Now here's your host, Jay Ryle. Thank you so much and good morning. Today is July 11th, 2021, and here are the topics that will be discussed on this week's edition of the serious side of the Jay Rao Show. People should not rationalize things, and we need to condemn wrong no matter who is wrong. It's wrong for those teenagers that are killing each other in Little Rock, and it's wrong for those policemen that shoot first and ask questions later, wrong is wrong whether you have on blue jeans or blue uniforms. Wrong is wrong is wrong is wrong. A new poll shows that 47% of Americans believe the country is headed in the right direction. That is a notable, and in terms of recent history, pretty historically positive number. This is a good day. It's more than about taking down statues. Um, you know, the people who argue it's just a piece of iron or marble or to have people not see the reality and the brutality of these statues. Overwhelming. The Biden administration is renewing its push to pass voting rights legislation. President Biden and Vice President Harris met with a delegation of civil rights leaders at the White House yesterday to discuss how to combat the wave of new voting laws driven by Republican-led state legislatures. Online radio at its best. Dear Lord, I do not know who or what will cross my path on this day. But I know that you are my rock and my fortress. As always, you are my shield and my strong tower. Please help me to attach myself to you today. Also, teach me how to stand strong in you, and choose only your way on this day. Help me walk in your truth, and not my feelings. Lord help me embrace anything that comes my way as a chance to see you at work, and as an opportunity to point others your way. Father, thank you for loving me, and nothing can ever take that away from me. Even if I fail on this day, and fall short, you whisper your unconditional love deep into my soul, and remind me that your mercies are new every morning. That truly amazes me, Lord. Thank you for meeting with me today. Would you wake me again tomorrow with the same sweet whisper of your love? I can't wait to meet with you again. In Jesus' name, Amen. Good morning and welcome into the serious side of the J. Ryle Show. 347 850 1272 is that call in name. Once again, I'm J. Ryle. Thank you guys for 
hanging out with us on another beautiful Sunday. Hopefully the weather is good in your neck of the woods. I never share the stage by myself. Let me bring in some of the best in the business. Miss Vanessa Maybell is in the house. Johnny D is in the place to be. And, of course, the one and only Mr. L to the E to the S, all present and accounting for. Good morning, one. Good morning, all. Miss Vanessa Maybell. Good morning, sis. How are you? Welcome back. Good morning. I missed y'all. You know, y'all been in my in my life on Sunday mornings for so long that when I'm not with y'all, I I miss y'all. So I'm so glad Aww. to be back. I'm the audience, and I'm just glad to be here. Good morning. Well, good morning to you. We're all in our places with bright, smiling faces. Johnny D, the brother <laughs> with the smooth voices in the Carolinas. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, 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 good morning. Ms. Vanessa, welcome back. Certainly want to shout out to Mr. Les, Jerome, Dr. Williams, Momo B, Miss Jackie. Did I miss anybody? Oh, that's right. My big brother, Jay Riles. So thanks all that allow us an opportunity to come into uh, your homes and uh, looking forward to it. Uh, Once again, some good topics and uh, it's been an interesting weekend news. So I, I, again, just looking forward to the conversation and dialogue. There he is, that uh, smooth, baritone voice from the Carolinas. The man that gets the first and last word, uh, the one and only Mr. L to the E to the S is in the house. Good morning, sir. How are you? Well, good morning, good morning, good morning to you, and good morning, Nessa. Good morning, Kathleen Williams. Good morning, uh, Rich Sister. Good morning, Mariana Music. Good morning, Momo B. And good morning, my brother Hawk. And good morning, my brother Jerome. Good morning, good morning. Eight five zero one two seven two. Uh glad to be in the house and as we always do we take a few minutes to talk about some things. Just a rapid clap and uh, I wanted to uh take a few minutes to talk about this because we have about uh three minutes of this set where we can rapid clap and chop it up amongst ourselves. Uh Haiti, uh wow, uh, that's something that we're not gonna talk about during the course of the show, but my goodness, um Mr. LES assassination, the president of Haiti country's unstable according to authorities uh there were two americans amongst the folks who were a part of that now some people are saying that this is from bs because if these guys were so tactically sound uh with their precision in assassinating the president then why the heck were they caught so fast how would they how could they be so uh, operate with precision in execution of the president or the plan, but then so sloppy where they get caught less than you know forty eight hours after the fact. I, that one I I couldn't tell you, my brother. When I saw this flash across the news cycle, it kind of got me. I was like, wow, you know, how could they get to the president of Haiti? Then I was thinking, well, maybe you know, maybe it was an inside job, but you know, you never know what's going on, man. Wow. God, yeah, that's it's unbelievable. Yeah, same same question to you, Johnny. I mean, my goodness, how uh, how do they get to him? Uh, now, sometimes when we think about the president, we think that it's our president, and you know he's he's in a fortress. But at the end of the day, my goodness, uh, they just kind of walked up and uh, overwhelmed whatever security detail they had in place, and shot and killed him and injured his wife. What say you?
John. Okay, all right. I, I, I was on mute. Uh, you know, th- what, what this shows is that um, we're no different than, than third world countries at this point in time. Uh, if, if you look at uh, what happened on January the 6th, and then you look at what happened to uh, former President Jovan Mousseau, the similarities are, are such. Um, you know, one, one of my favorite uh, news articles and, and uh, Vice News, back in March, they showed a segment, and then I read this article where this guy basically has, um, and you know, again, my condolences and prayers go out to the country right. of Hades. Uh, I don't know him, so therefore I'm, I'm not speaking of him incriminating, but on February the 7th, there was supposed to be elections in Hades, and he basically pulled a, a Trump and said that he's going to move them until next year. And of course, uh, according to the, to the article and then some of the additional articles that I read, uh, th- this is they've had the highest rate of murder, kidnapping, corruption, uh, and gangs. So clearly, the, the riots that they're having in the street. Um, you know, uh, th- he was supposedly, you know, uh, supported by America, and there is uh-huh. a, a some 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 anti-sentimentism in, in America. But again, by him pushing the elections off and trying to stay in there another year, uh, probably or may have contributed to it. But for them to be able to breach um, the, the, the presidential uh, palace or, or home. And be able to to enter with that number of individuals uh, is is alarming to me. But it, again, it just shows some of the parallels. But then it also just uh, demonstrates how countries will work together with these mercenaries to eliminate and and, and eradicate uh, particular people if they don't hold their interest in cause. So again, condolences and prayers go out to. Uh, the family and the people of Hades who supported him, but he did have a large number of individuals who, who obviously did not care for, for what he was doing in Hades. Mm, yeah, that was tough. You know, Vanessa, anytime you're missing, uh, people always ask where you were, and people are already always interested in hearing about the adventures of you and Bobby Jones. Bobby Jones. So tell us. What happened? Where were you at last weekend? You have fun? You know, it's always an interesting story when you and Bobby Jones hit the road. <laughs> you know, Bobby, I posted a picture, and I said, current situation. We were at a, uh RV park uh, mm-hmm. in Longview, Texas, which is two hours, two and a half hours from Dallas, uh, okay. which is um, where Bobby's family lives. And so we were 10 minutes from his cousin who was having a big party. We were six okay. minutes from, and, and I think Mr. Johnny, if you don't find this interesting, we were six minutes from one of Bobby's first cousins that got married about 10 years ago, had never met her husband, and they have a ranch with like 10 acres of land and their initial in the gate, like Falcon Crest or something, and a horse that looked like a Clydesdale and a farm oh, wow. in their backyard with catfish and guess what he said he was retired he had retired Friday and I said what are you going to do with your retirement because you never know what people do he said I run the black rodeo I said what do you mean you run the black rodeo because I'm the one who organized it all over the country I said oh, wow. shut up wow. Wow. shut up he does 
she sets up all the black rodeos in the United States. So I said, a couple of them rodeos, I'm going to be at because I want to see what you do. So he was, yeah, y'all come and go and blah, 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 blah. So I, it was just awesome. It was it was an awesome trip. The, and I, and I'm, the people were really nice at the resort. Uh, I woke up, and if you go to my Facebook page, the, the, the sky looked like cotton balls. It looked, literally looked like round circles of cotton balls. So then we left. Then we were in and out because we were for 45 minutes from Freeport with five casinos. So we had a ball. <laughs> and we were 15 minutes from a bingo hall. So I told Bobby's cousins, we're going to be up there by y'all. And sometimes we just going to pop in and see y'all, but we really ain't there to see y'all. So anyway, we had a great trip. <laughs> in the country well, with the first half. <laughs> yep. Well, you you never seem you never cease to amaze me with your stories. Always a joyous occasion. I feel that I'm living vicariously through you. I'm not sure what part of your story that Johnny D thought uh, that you thought that would intrigue Johnny D's interest. Because I don't never envision him as being a cowboy. But you never know. You know, he's uh, may have a big old ten gallon hat. It's the history and the accomplishments, uh, definitely. So uh, I, I, I love to see it myself, to be honest with you. Absolutely. Definitely. Indeed. you with the Cowboys. Well, you know what? Uh, hey, yeah, i tell you what. You haven't seen a Cowboy hat on me unless I was forced to wear one at a corporate event. So trust me, ain't happening. All right, 347 one two seven two is that calling number. All right, it is time to step out, get an update from NPR News, and then the show will begin. Thank you so much once again uh, for being here with us. Hope Sunday's going well for you. We will see you on the other side. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Ryle Show. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. That's the number to get in if you fit in. We'll be right back after this. People should not rationalize things. Live from NPR News, I'm Giles Snyder. A bill that's become the focus of uh, the national debate over voting rights is again being considered by Texas lawmakers, the state legislature holding a special session after Democrats blocked an earlier version of the bill in May by walking out. More than 300 people lined up at the state capitol yesterday to testify as Texas Public Radio's David Martin Davies reports. The Texas legislature began a special session mainly to address a voting restriction bill that was blocked earlier this summer. Now the Republican-controlled Texas legislature must work quickly to move the toned-down bill through the legislative process. On Saturday, hundreds of members of the public waited hours to testify, including former Texas Democratic Congressman Bethel O'Rourke, who spoke out against the bill. An elections bill that is premised on a lie that there is widespread fraud in our elections, even though there is not. The bill would ban 24-hour voting, make mail-in voting more difficult, increase criminal penalties for voting mistakes, and give partisan poll watchers more authority at voting sites. Supporters of the bill say Texas should have zero tolerance for voter fraud. I'm David Martin Davies in San Antonio. Crews in western states are fighting several wildfires as another heat wave engulfs the region. The National Weather Service says California's Death Valley reached 128 degrees yesterday. Uh, excessive heat warnings remain in place in California's Central Valley as Alice Daniel, Valley Public Radio, reports. <laughs> 
At the National Weather Service's regional office, meteorologist Andy Bollenbacher says this weekend is already setting multiple records in cities across the valley, and he expects more to come. The drought and long July days are helping to create the dangerous heat. You have a big ridge of high pressure, you have a drought, and then you have the sun angle being really strong this time of the year. The three things come together and you get a pretty profound heat wave. This kind of heat wave is rare, he says, even for the hot Central Valley. Bullenbacher is advising people to avoid outdoor activities. Cooling centers in the region will be open through the weekend. The excessive heat risk lasts through Monday, when temperatures will still hover near 110. For NPR News, I'm Alice Daniel. Senior officials of the FBI and the Homeland Security Department said to arrive in Haiti as soon as today to help with the investigation into the assassination of Haiti's president. The Prime Minister also asking the U.S. to send troops to help restore order, but reporter John Oda says that does not seem likely right now. The Pentagon says there are no plans to send American troops to Haiti. There seems to be little enthusiasm to deploy U.S. soldiers to yet another overseas trouble spot at a time when the administration is trying to wind down U.S. involvement in Afghanistan. Uh, But at the same time, the U.S. would like to see a stable Haiti. This is NPR News. Online radio at its best. People should not rationalize things. And we need to condemn wrong no matter who is wrong. It's wrong for those teenagers that are killing each other in Little Rock. And it's wrong for those policemen that shoot first and ask questions later. Wrong is wrong whether you have on blue jeans or blue uniforms. Wrong is wrong is wrong is wrong. We may not agree on politics, but that don't matter. This is above politics. If you are for Trump, wear your Trump button, but keep marching. If you for Biden, wear your Biden button, but keep marching. I don't care who you are, who you support, all of us want to see our children come home at night safe and protected. Welcome back in, 347-850-1272. It's a serious side of the J. Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. Uh, the Reverend Al Sharpton and attorneys for George Floyd's family on Tuesday mourned a white Arkansas teenager fatally shot by a sheriff's deputy as they urged support for across uh, racial lines for efforts to reform Police practices. Sharpton eulogized 17 year old Hunter Britton, who was shot and killed by a white uh, Nakuda, I guess, uh, county sheriff, Deputy Sergeant Michael Davis, during a traffic stop on June 23rd near Cobit, about 30 miles uh, northeast of Little Rock. The killing in a predominantly white community has drawn the attention of national civil rights activists such as Sharpton, who said concerns about police tactics aren't just limited to the black community. The issue of policing is not about black and white, Sharpton told a pack auditorium at BB High School, where Britain was a rising senior. It's about right and wrong. Let's start right there. Um, you know, so many times on this show we have covered uh, the shooting of unarmed black men, uh, but this is a case where this is the shooting of an unarmed white team. And I think the reason why this story drew me 
uh, got my attention, I should say, is because of where it was located. Deep Rural, Arkansas, right? Ruby Red, straight up Trump country. That's one of the reasons why you heard uh, the Reverend Al Sharpton say, you know, if you are a supporter of Trump, wear your Trump buttons. I, you know, I'll give you the backstory on this here as we continue to have this conversation. But let me start with you, as we always do, Mr. Elias. It doesn't really matter the color of the victim, right? If we're in a situation where we're saying that it's wrong for police to shoot unarmed men, or unarmed black men, which that's something that we carry because, look, we want to represent our own. But, God dang it, bad police tactics, it doesn't really matter what color the person is. Here's a young man who will not see his 18th birthday because of a trigger-happy sheriff's deputy. What say you? Well, it, it's wrong on any accord, Jay, whether you shoot any anybody that's unarmed. You just shoot them. I don't care what color you are. It's, it's wrong. And, and, and from the story I've I, I done a little research is that the only reason the officer was fired is because his body cam wasn't on. He turned his body yep. and He turned his body cam on after the, uh, after the, after the shooting. Come on, man. Policing is, is, is no joke. They, these, these guys don't care. Some, some of these officers, not all, but some of these officers do not care, man. They don't give a damn. I'm like, you know, they, they, they always say I want to make a home safe. But, hell, if you're shooting people that aren't armed, you're going to definitely make it home safe. Because whether you shot him or not, you're going to make it home safe because he was unarmed. Just, it, I, I don't get how, how you can justify shooting of an unarmed person, and the only thing you get is fired. Qualified yeah. immunity needs to go, man. Qualified immunity needs to go. I'm sorry, you know that 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 they got it, but it needs to go. It, it's not even it shouldn't even be up for discussion. And the only way it'll go is that it, if it happens to one of these congressmen or senators' sons or daughters, then then it'll go. Then they'll fight. Yeah, I'm glad for you it. said but that. As long as it's not happening to him. Not as long as it's not happening to them, they don't care. They don't give a damn. Yeah. I'm glad you said that, and I'm sorry to talk over you. I'm glad you said that because, you know, you would think that – well, wait a minute, Mr. Elias. As I was about to make this particular comment. I thought about what happened to Congressman Scalise. I mean, he damn near died. You would think that someone who was a victim of gun violence would hey, be, okay, we need to have gun reform. And he was like – uh-uh. You know, he's a stark Republican. It's it's interesting. People say, Vanessa, when you are face-to-face with death, you somewhat – some, her, first of all, you're very thankful that you made it through, right? And second, you – it's like you get a new – it's like you're born again because you should have been gone. And you start thinking about your priorities and you rethink some things or positions that you had before because you were so close to leaving this earth. But I just brought up uh, Scalise, uh, the guy out of the, the congressperson out of uh, Louisiana. I mean, he damn near died. And yet and still, he's not for any type of real gun reform. He's not in favor of the Policing Act, the George Floyd Policing Act. And Mr. Elias said something I thought was interesting. When it happens to a congressperson, and I was about to say, I agree with you, because we thought maybe if it happened kid. to enough white folks, if it happened to a enough white folks, kid. 
Well, I mean, I, kids. I, I don't, I, you know what? Kids. Okay, I hear you, but I don't even think that would happen because after Newtown, those guys did not do a damn thing. You would think 26 dead or 24 dead white kids, little babies, would make them get off their ass to do something about gun reform. It didn't. So I, you know, I hear what you're saying, but Vanessa, I don't think it would make a difference because it's all about going down party lines. What do you have to say in regards to this topic? You know what, y'all? I am so sick of schools, Sandy Hook, Oklahoma. All of these different, the one here in Houston, uh, in Lamarck, or wherever it was, Jay, where they had the shootings, and people, people should still be outraged, and they're not. They should be in Texas, where September 1st is going to be a new day. They should be outraged, and they should be out there picketing and storming, because they've lost their children, and all of these different school shootings and stuff that's going on, but people aren't. They aren't doing that, and they aren't doing it because they're so used to this mess happening. I am so sick of hearing. I I, I kind of ignore it now. I hate to say it, but I kind of ignore hearing uh, all of these things that's going on with kids and people getting shot. And I, because at the point, I couldn't sleep. I was so upset. I was So now I just try to tune it out because... To me, the people who didn't lost the children, the people at the schools, the kids, they are the, the future, and they are the ones who need to be out there really protesting it. But they don't even, they don't even think anything of it. They don't think anything well, of it, and I don't get that. Well, well I think Jay, that if you... Jay, Yeah, but I think, Vanessa, I think the one people, thing you said that bothers you I mean, you said it bothers you, but but basically, you, but then the next sentence you said, I try to tune it out, and, and maybe that's the issue. People are just to, so numb. I try to tune it out, Jay, so I can rest. Well, other because people are probably doing the same me. thing. Okay, well, you know, Jay, I say it because, well, I, it could happen to me, but. I haven't had a child or a relative in any of the schools that this has happened to uh, really? been in the, the uh, Jay, I'm just, I'm telling you about Vanessa. I no, I'm just agreeing. I'm saying right. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. That's all. I'm just saying right. I can't, right. I, I, I can't, if I can't rest thinking about all of this mess, that's why since right. Trump has been out of office, I've toned some of it out, Jay, because I didn't okay. sleep when he was in office. Now I can't sleep because Abbott is in office. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that that guy there is something else. All right, John. Let me swing around to you. Uh, let me get your comments on this topic. Um, once again, here's an unarmed man, and uh, this white man uh, that was shot and killed by uh, a sheriff's deputy. And one of the things that Mr. Elias said uh, when he was giving his comments on this particular topic, and it it was something that was floating in my mind. Uh, you know, qualified immunity is this is really the central argument in all of these cases. But uh, you know, the officer gets fired. Ooh, 
You know, they don't have a national police. Uh, they don't have a national police database, which is one of the components in the George Floyd Policing Act. So this guy, you know, theoretically can go to a small town and, you know, get a job somewhere because they can look at his uh, his credentials and see that uh, he used to be a law enforcement officer. So firing someone, I mean, come on, what does that do? And the fact that the guy didn't have his body cam on, I mean, come on, man. I mean, maybe he just didn't have it on and didn't think he would encounter him in an emergency that day, but give me your thoughts on this topic. I think you have your mute. I think you're muted, John. Oh, he dropped. That's what happened. I'm sorry. All right, so uh, what about okay. you, Mr. Elias? Go ahead and Oh, there he is. He's back. All right, Jay. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I apologize. Some of some of it I could no not hear because again, a call came in, but I did hear hear pieces of it. But let, let me just uh, say this right here. Uh, again, this is a a, a national epidemic, uh, and I agree. Uh, the lack of, I'm gonna say, regards training a combination. Um, as far as those who we you're sworn and we swear to protect, uh, mm-hmm. unarmed individuals being killed uh, is interesting. You know, and I think what has shocked uh, uh, probably America is the fact that Al Sharpton and Ben Crump and his team was part of it. But you know, right, right is right, and and clearly this this young man was unarmed, and you know, condolences and prayers go out to his family. But when we talk about qualified immunity. And, and I agree that there that 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 needs to be part of police reform, but right. don't mistake the fact of qualified immunity because now you're talking about just just, just civil, you know, civil liability, yeah. and and if the person declares to be indigent, then you're not going to get anything but a judgment. So, you know, we 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 we, we continuously say qualified immunity, qualified immunity, and I agree that needs to be part of it. But if, if I only got two dollars in my pocket, that's all you're gonna get. So you can you can, you know, put it put a a a a, a, right. a, a you know a a, a dollar some type of monetary price tag, yeah. against uh, monetary against myself. It really mm-hmm. it really boils down to the to the counties and the agencies. And and if you look at the individual qualified, I mean, yeah, I'm gonna hold this person accountable. But to me, it's it's more punitive. And I think you saw that in Minnesota when it's done against when, when it's imposed against the cities and the agencies mm-hmm. itself. Now the criminal aspect of it has not been removed. So, you know, again, I champion form. I also champion for more stern laws where officers uh, go outside of the scope of their oath and murder people. And this appears to be what it is. To include the fact that you have a, a, a most likely a policy violation where he cut the body camera on after the right. fact. Uh, most agencies right. have adopted the the principle that you know you leave it on the duration, but because of right. storage, anytime you have an interaction, you cut it on prior to, and you allow it to just continuously run throughout. So you know clearly this was a sergeant, so he should know the rules, and of course. Uh, the you know the sheriff fired him immediately, and that was in my opinion appropriate. So, 
you know, it, it's just one of these situations where the, the people and the type of persons that you're getting into to law enforcement now, and I've said it before on the show, and I'll still attest to it because I deal with it every day. You know, right. now in this instance, the, the sergeant has been a, a, a professional for a while. You would consider him to be a career employee. But there, there, there's no, no doubt that sometimes you've got that person who's at the register at Target, and then six months later they're on the street with a weapon protecting the community. Mm. And right. the lack of training that, that contributes to this and just the lack of people's moral and ethical boundaries. Uh, you know, you take an oath, and, and when you read those words to the oath, and I'm sure every state, every agency has a different oath, but it does mean something. And if, and if you do your best to live up to it, then these type of things may happen, but they will happen less and less. And right now you're seeing more and more of this occurring. I still say uh, don't jump on the bandwagon of, you know, defund the police, but it certainly needs to be some, some reform. No, I agree with that. I think, uh, you know, Democrats, that was a message that they really tried to push uh, during the last election cycle, and people felt that that's one of the reasons why they just didn't dominate uh, the House of Representatives or uh, Senate races, because, you know, when you say defund the police, when you listen to those words on its surface, it sounds like you're taking money from the police. And so Democrats had to clarify that message by saying we don't mean defund the police per se, but we're saying that you need to reallocate funds for different things, maybe some sensitivity training or you know, tr- having non-violent uh, uh, police uh Teams go out and investigate non-violent calls, which you know I'm not a fan of that because you never know if and when it turns violent. So maybe it's just sensitivity training or things of that nature, just to make sure that the police officers are trained up uh, beforehand. And, and and I do agree with you and uh, your comments on qualified immunity. But for me, uh, when we look at <clears throat> the, fact, the fact that the officer turned his body cam off. Uh, and didn't turn it back on until after the shooting. Uh, it, it makes it very, very suspicious. And I think one of the reasons why, and you talked about this, John, in your delivery, when you talked about uh, Al Sharpton and Benjamin Crump being there, and I, I mentioned at the top that I would you know, kind of give you the background story on that. And the background story, folks, is the uncle of the slain team, felt that it was time for this nation to come together. And so he reached out to uh, those black civil rights leaders and said he wanted them to come and eulogize his nephew. And and when we say Ruby Red, it's Ruby Red. And when we say Trump folks, that's probably exactly who was in the House. But it was uh, warming to see, uh, um, you know, Al Sharpton give the eulogy and how the family embraced and uh, – Accepted those civil rights leader him, leaders, him and Benjamin Crump. It was a wonderful thing to see. All right, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two is our calling number. It's the serious side of the J. Rouse show. As the weather warms up uh, this year, the coronavirus cases plummeted, and life in the U.S. started to feel almost normal. But in recent weeks, the progress has stalled. Vaccination, the vaccination campaigns have slowed. Uh, the Delta virus is rapidly spreading and new infections, which had started to plateau about a month ago, are slightly going up nationally. Uh, so in this week's edition of Informative, so that's something that you need to know. We're going to take a look at that topic and, uh, and see what's going on here. 
I don't think it takes a genius to figure out uh, where the rise of these infections are. Uh, you know, we'll just let the story tell itself. It's convenient time. Keep it right here. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Raw Show. Once again, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. We'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after a short break. Online radio at its best. A new analysis done by NPR and Johns Hopkins shows that COVID cases are again surging in the U.S., now specifically in places with low vaccination rates. Meanwhile, the very contagious Delta variant is now the dominant strain in this country. NPR health correspondent Rob Stein has been following this one. Hey, Rob. Good morning, Noel. We were doing pretty good as a country. Cases, deaths, hospitalizations were all going down. What happened? Well, you know, Noel, the vaccination campaign essentially stalled just as the country reopened and the Delta variant took over. So all that progress the country was making hit a wall, and infections may have even started rising again nationally. And if you drill down to a state level, you can really see what's going on. In the past week, the number of people catching the virus has started climbing again in about half the states, and that increase has been going on for at least two weeks in 15 states. You know, we've heard a lot about Missouri, but also in places like Texas, Illinois, the Carolinas. I talked about this with Jennifer Nuzzo at Johns Hopkins. It's an early trend, and so my hope is that it won't last. But unfortunately, looking at what's happening in individual states, I do worry that we will continue to see national numbers increase. In fact, the number of people getting so sick they're ending up in a hospital started rising again in about nine states, including Florida, Nebraska, Arkansas. Nine states. And I know you also looked at the county level. Yeah, that's right. The CDC lists hotspots by county, but that fluctuates a lot, with cases up one week and then down the next. So NPR and Johns Hopkins looked at what's been happening over a longer period, over a month. When you do that, you can really see the places that look like they're in trouble, where it isn't just a blip. And in most of those hotspot counties, it's a sustained increase. Most are rural counties in the Midwest, West, and South. Newton County, Missouri, has seen a 182% increase, for example. In Ottawa County and Oklahoma, infections soared 828%. I I know as a science reporter, you're very careful about percentages, but those, uh, those are striking. Yeah, I mean, the numbers are small, but still, these are big increases, and it's happening in lots of places. And Jennifer Nuzzo says those hotspot counties, they are everywhere, even in suburban and urban places. Most of the counties are in states that are also reporting state-level increases. But not all are. In fact, we are seeing counties and states that we haven't really been worrying much about, California and Washington State, for instance. So what is going on in those specific counties? Well, you know, everyone's been saying how important it is to get vaccinated, and our analysis with Johns Hopkins illustrates that pretty dramatically. Most of the counties experiencing sustained outbreaks, 92%, have vaccination rates below the national average. You know, Oklahoma's Ottawa County has only vaccinated 23%. In Missouri's Newton County, it's only 16%. And even states that have high vaccination rates are seeing outbreaks in counties that haven't vaccinated enough people. It raises the prospect that we could see case increases elsewhere in these states, but potentially also in other states that haven't yet seen case increases. Things that we keep forgetting about this pandemic is that something that happens in one state is not isolated from something that will happen in another state. And so as long as we see case increases in any part of the country, it remains a national crisis. So what does this mean, Rob, for the next six months or so? 
Well, you know, Noel, it's not good. The country may be on the cusp of yet another national surge that could put us in a bad place in the fall when more people will be heading indoors because of the cold weather. Now, you know, no one is predicting things will get anywhere as bad as last winter, but it's just heartbreaking to see people still dying when COVID has become preventable. Here's Jennifer Nuzzo one more time. I think it's such an utter tragedy that when we have on hand ample supplies of vaccines that can prevent people from getting infected, prevent people from winding up in the hospital and dying for anybody to develop severe illness, it's just a complete and utter tragedy. So Nuzzo and others are hoping these early hospitals will be kind of a wake-up call for people to finally get vaccinated. And then lastly, Rob, what's going on with this news that people who got the Pfizer vaccine could be able to get a booster shot soon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The company says a third shot of its vaccine can boost protection and plans to ask the FDA for authorization for that soon. The company says that should help guard against the Delta variant, and the company is also updating its vaccine to specifically target Delta. But it's important to note that the FDA and the CDC are both saying at the moment no one who's fully vaccinated needs a booster. Ah, okay. NPR health correspondent Rob Stein. Thank you for this, Rob. You bet, Noel. Hi, everybody. It's Barack. Now that every American over the age of 16 is eligible to get the vaccine, I want to talk about you getting yours. The vaccine is safe. It's effective. It's free. I got one. Michelle got one. People you know got one. And now you can get one, too. It's the only way we're going to get back to all the things we love, from safely spending time with grandparents they're going to concerts and watching live sports. So get the vaccine as soon as you can. A new poll shows that 47% of Americans believe the country is headed in the right direction. That is a notable, and in terms of recent history, pretty historically positive number. So put these numbers in perspective. 47% say we're headed in the right track. Where does that fit? Yeah, you would think that that would be low, but take a look compared to where we were during the Trump administration when the same exact question was asked by Marist College, right? 47% say now we're going in the right direction. During the Trump administration, at this exact same point, it was just 31%. Welcome back in 347-850-1272. It's a serious side of the J-Rouse show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS radio network, online radio at its best. New polling by CNN shows that 47% of Americans believe that the country is going in the right direction, which is good for the president. Because it's higher, like you just heard, than former President Donald Trump's uh, and, a high, and the highest since uh, President Barack Obama's first year in office. Let's start there. Um, you know, let me start to say with you, Vanessa. Joe Biden, you know, one of the things that I feel that's happening, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's like he's, he's just kind of doing this thing. And he's not really, you don't hear a lot about what he's doing or what him and the VP's doing. And I watch news shows all day, 24-7-365. Now, yeah, he's been having his press conferences. He comes out and he keeps America informed on what's going on. But there's still some criticism as far as how Joe Biden are handling certain things. Like, for example, the, the, the troop withdrawal, that, that's something that he's, he's taking some blows on because of the report that showed all this American equipment that the Taliban had had uh, confiscated, which is which was was shocking to me, but not surprising, I guess, which is sad to say. But 
Let's talk about President Biden and the job that he's doing at this point. Uh, the wrong, the wrong track, right track numbers are poll is something that a lot of people use to gauge going into the midterm elections. Once again, President Obama had a very high wrong track, right track rating, but you know what happened to him during the midterm. So let me ask you, how important is this poll? And do you think that the White House is going to seize on these numbers? Because they are high. They're, they're, they're pretty high. They're right there where President Obama was during his first year, which was, we all know, back in 2009. What say you? Vanessa? Wow, we're having all these uh, gaps in the show I'm today. Sorry, I'm sorry. I was moving. I'm sorry. I was moving around. Can you go to the next no question and come back to me? Thank you. Absolutely. Let's let me start with you, John. Go ahead. To me, it's, it's disturbing. Um, like I said, I think that the numbers are probably deceptive. Um, as far you as said disturbing. You know, yeah, it, it's disturbing, and wow. and the reason why I, I say that is because. They're, they're still lower than what it should be. I mean, after after four years of of that criminal, and to mm-hmm. think that that America still doesn't see the problem. I mean, th- think about the number of people who are not dying. Okay, I mean that in and of itself should should bolster that. Think about the inclusiveness of his administration. That should bolster that. So what it shows is that you still have people who are just simply saying that I'm not going to buy in to what's being sold because I want to stick with this affiliation. So so when I say that it's disturbed, I'm saying that I think it should be higher than that just simply based on the optimism and the normality that that office has, has, has brought. Now, of course, now it's time to really start focusing in on policy because I do think right. that 2022 is probably not going to be as as positive uh, at at when the polls end, as perhaps uh, other, you know, blue dog Democrats, as you say, Jay, would believe, I, you know, again, I think you got to push forward the agendas that you have to push forward. And when you look at the unreasonableness of, of the other party, there at this point in time, there is no bipartisan, okay? There, there really is not any bipartisan. So you got to push forward because 2022 is going to be a little different. So, I say that I'm concerned simply because I I, I would believe that they would have been higher. Uh, not that he's perfect. Uh, he certainly has missed on a couple of opportunities. Uh, I read an article about midweek where they talked about uh, the workload of of Kamala Harris. I don't know exactly if if she brought that up or people just digging to try to, you know, demean her because she is the face of, of the next candidate, I would have to believe. And I believe you if they start so? chipping at her armor now, I, I think so. I mean, not because if they, you know, will there be someone who will who, who will probably run against her? Yeah, definitely. But, you know, again, I'm I'm not certain that, that the president will – will complete his term. I, I'm just not certain that, that he will want to. I'm just not certain that he will be be physically oh, wow. capable of doing so. I mean that's you know, life 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 plays plays a trick on you and the one thing that you will not beat is father time. And, you know, he struggled, oh. you know, in, in the primaries and, and you know, again, I I haven't seen any signs that, you know, uh, the fountain of youth has, uh, the fountain of youth have, has hit him. 
So I, I just don't know. Oh, well. And again, that's not being pessimistic. It's just simply being, you know, what what I observe and what I what I envision. But uh, like I said, I, I would have thought it would have been higher than that right there, just based off of, you know, just the normality, the, the optimism, the inclusiveness, the fact that you don't have, you know, 500 plus thousand people dying and you don't have, you know, uh, a, a large populace of individuals storming your capitals and all the rest of it and, and a bunch of lies being told and no policies being passed. And, you know, just just based off of that alone, I would have uh, envisioned it would have been a, a little higher than that. Interesting. Well, I was trying to do some research on that while you were speaking to to see the highest number. The highest number I found was uh, I guess in recent history was Clinton. There was a bright spot where he, where it was at seventy two percent. That was back in the nineties. Let me swing to you, Vanessa. Now that you've had an opportunity to hear a little bit of discussion about it, uh, that number is pretty high though since President Obama. And what I was a little shocked when John said that it should be higher because. You know, when President Obama came into office, uh, I mean, you know, think about the crowd that he had at the inauguration. The country was feeling good. I remember I told the story on the show back in the day when he was in office, how um, I had a beehive, some bees that built a beehive in my house, or on the side of my house, and I had this couple come out, and it was this old white couple, and, you know, they looked like typical red-blooded Republican-Americans. And the old man, I remember when I was about to pay the man, and he said, you know, he said, I've been a Republican all my life, but I think I'm going to give this Baraki guy a chance. <laughs> and I said, wow, he is really starting to resonate with some folks. So, you know, the country, I guess my point is the country was feeling good at that time. So when the numbers came out and, you know, and it was said that these numbers were the highest since President Obama's first year in office are at the same time of his presidency, his first term in his presidency. I was pretty optimistic, but now, you know, Johnny, you know, he's Debbie Downer. Now I'm looking at it differently. What say you? You know, I haven't – I don't think as many white people that back the rock like Biden as much. I think a lot of the stuff that they said about Biden kind of stuck with these people, even though it wasn't true, like the stuff about his son. I saw a lot of signs that I found alarming and stupid down the highway that said Trump 2024. Yeah. So for me, I think that February, March, is going to be quite different. I don't hear any of the youngsters talking about voting. I don't hear any of the youngsters wanting to get vaccinated. I just think they all have lost their mind, personally. Um, okay. I don't like where the country's going. That's, I don't okay. like where it's going. Well, I think the polling, and I'm not sure, I've never been asked the questions uh, in regards to 
if you think the country is right track, wrong track, maybe it's just a simple question, Ms. Silly, as do you think it's going in the right direction? I thought that they asked a series of questions based on, okay, do you like the condition of, of the economy? Do you like the way the president is handling the coronavirus? I mean, so maybe those are not the questions that are asked by posters when they contact people to get the numbers for this particular poll. But let me just ask you a simple question. You're wrong track, right track. Well, what do you think? Maybe you think the country's going on, on the right track? And, and if you do, or if you don't, please tell us why. Well, you know something, man. We're, to me, I think it's—I think it's the country's on the right track, but there's too many obstructionists, and we're playing checkers, not chess. And that's what the Republican okay. Party is doing. They're, they're coming out and saying, "Hey, we're not going to do anything. We're not going to help. We're not going to do anything." Ms. McConnell came out in a, in, a, in a a town hall meeting and said, "Hey, they were going to go give you more money, but hey." Uh, my party didn't vote for that. We didn't do anything to help you. Yeah, These people still vote for him. These people <laughs> yeah, still vote for him. Yeah. And 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 unless they pass this voting rights act, you can forget it. Because they're suppressing the vote. They're going to suppress the vote, and they and we're going to lose big unless they pass that voting rights act. So. But that's why I said the country's not going in the right direction, Lynn. It's not the country uh-huh. that's not going in the right direction. It's the politicians that are not going in the right direction. You did okay, what I'm saying? The they represent the country. They don't represent the country. The Republican Party does not represent the country. They don't. You said politicians. They, did, they wouldn't have been. It, 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 I didn't okay, say Republican that. Party, I said who puts them in place. The people who get. Oh, yeah, they represent the constituents. No, they have gerrymandered. They have gerrymandered the districts to where is that if they if they if well, they, if it was a fair voting policy, they would lose every time. So let's call it what it is. The country didn't put them in place. They they didn't put themselves in place. And this is what they do all the time. They cheat to win. They're not going to give you a fair. And, and and when they start losing, what do they do? They suppress the vote. This is what they do. They're not going to play. They're not going to give you a fair election. So when you say the country is in the wrong, politicians represent the country. They don't represent the country. They know they don't even come close to representing the country. So until until they pass the Voting Rights Act and the, and and the Supreme Court stops messing with the Voting Rights Act and every, and, and 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 we get a, a a fair and free election like we're supposed to, we're not we're not going to do nothing. It's not going to mm. do anything. We're, we're, we're wasting our time here. We're going to lose big. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, there you What did you say, Vanessa? I believe that's what I said. That come February 4th, is not going to look good. That we were going to lose because the youngsters aren't interested. That's exactly what I said. It's not the youngsters, Vanessa. It is not the youngsters. It is so the youngsters. Vanessa, if they haven't gerrymandered the district, Vanessa... If they, if they didn't suppress the vote, they, you know, come on, Vanessa, let's, let's just be honest. They suppressed the vote. If they, if they weren't, if they were worried about the youngsters voting, they wouldn't be trying to suppress the vote. They wouldn't, they wouldn't put in Harris County one, one no, ballot box talking? so that four million folks can vote. I don't think Vanessa's listening to me, so I'm gonna click on. Ding, 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 ding. That ain't what I said at all. <laughs> all right. Ding, ding, ding. You're saying the young folks. It has nothing to do with the young folks, but now okay. it has to do with Alrighty. making a free and fair election. 
as they continue to argue. When the music comes up, that means we're a minute out for the set. All right, we're going to step out, <laughs> and they're going to argue off the mic. And uh, you listen to Serious Side of the J. Rouse Show. We'll be right back after this. It's uh, the first edition of Mariana Music's Corner coming up. It's the Serious Side. Keep it right here. America is starting to breathe again. A decent man as president, a plan to protect us. It feels almost normal, but it's not. Republicans still will not admit that President Biden was legally elected, which means they don't believe in democracy. They believe an election is only legitimate if they win. That's not democracy. Their plan? Pass voter suppression bills to block minorities from voting. Take back Congress. Impeach President Biden. We refuse. We refuse to accept the end of the American experiment. We refuse to allow anti-democratic autocrats to steal our country. We choose to fight. And we will not lose. Join us. about taking down statues. Um, you know, the people who argue it's just a piece of iron or marble. Or to have people not see the reality and the brutality of these statues is overwhelming. 
back in, 347-850-1272 is the serious side of the J. Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio in its best. The city of Charlottesville is taking down two of Charlottesville's most controversial statues. Robert E. Lee and Thomas Stonewall Jackson on Saturday. One citizen, a worldly clutterbuck, doesn't understand why they were ever erected. As much as I love antique things and old things, some of this history is bad history. It is time for them to go, clutterbuck said. Why are losers of the Civil War getting statues in the first place? City Councilman Lloyd Snook says at first he was against removing the statues. He said, I was not really in favor of moving the statues originally, but after August 12, 2017, I absolutely agreed that these statues had to go. Snook said that the deadly Unite the Right rally did two things for him. It crystallized the fact that these statues were a magnet to people who we didn't want to be drawing here, and it served as a very, very vivid reminder and symbol of just how intense the feelings are around this. Uh, this is where we start. You know, this is something that has been uh, going on for the past two years, I would say. And, you know, Donald Trump uh, was a person that would say, oh, we need to keep him because of the history. And and so, I don't know who's that, somebody's cooking or something. But anyway, let me go to you, John, on this. Uh, this is a good sign uh, because, you know, what I didn't realize was that the Unite the Right rally was was in close proximity of these statues. I did not know that that was the actual meeting point for this rally. I, I can remember why it started, but I didn't know that they met in that particular location. So uh, it was revisionist history for me a little bit. But, you know, what do you think about this, man, the fact that these things are being taken down? As much as we talk about the things the country the country is not doing right or some of the states that are not doing right, there are places where they are trying to, you know, take take steps in the right direction to remove this awful, awful past. What say you? I think, I, you know, uh, let, let me say this right here, and I'm, and I'm trying to make okay. sure that, that I articulate this and, and, and with, with the brevity that's, that's deserved of because I don't want to sound – don't want to sound – pessimistic but you know that there was a time where it did not matter to me okay now get now make sure that 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 those who quote me quote me correctly there was a time okay. that it did not matter to me because i felt like the systemic racism was so embedded in the day-to-day culture that your symbolism and your reflection to remove it was just that, a symbolism, but yet the core of the people are the same. You understand what I'm saying? So now I've shifted because it's not only is it the right thing to do and, and should have never been a reflection of, 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 of the American history that you got Robert E. Lee High School and, you know, all the, all the rest of these, the, these Confederate soldiers who – you know, doesn't matter what your audience might be, they fought against the the union. So the truth of the matter is, is that I, I believe that even though this appears to be symbolic, it is the right thing to do. Okay, so again, the systemic racism that's deeply embedded in 
the American society and the culture and, and the hate and the discrimination and the wealth gap and the poverty, uh, those things are real. And those are the things that we still have to move towards. But to remove the symbolism can see how that would be a positive step towards some degree of reconciliation. But, again, it's just a step. Um, now I want to see the action. The action to remove has to come with laws and legislation and, you know, lessening that the wealth gap and equaling the wealth gap for men, females, minorities, and everything. But, you know, I applaud, I applaud the citizens of these communities that's championing for this and keeping it forever in the forefront so that history history will not be marred by these these racist individuals who fought to keep you know African Americans in slavery and 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 allow cotton to remain king because that's what it was really about it was about the money it was about the power of the legislator when you counted people three-fifths of property but yet they couldn't even vote but you use that as a populist to gain more seats in the south so that you can hold the majority so you know, I applaud uh, what happened on yesterday, and I applaud those efforts that continue to happen uh, locally, uh, from a state level, and federally. Now, let's look at some of those military institutions as well. I think it's 11 of them that, that hold the names of some federal generals. And um, so, again, like I say, I, I applaud those efforts. You know, um, you know, Vanessa, I'm going to play devil's advocate here uh, because I know what people, folks who are on this side of the fence are thinking when they see these types of things. And I'm going to just give you the initials, CRT. They're going to claim that, wait a minute, now all of a sudden when the shoe's on the other foot, black folks have a problem with that. Now, critical race theory, right? They're going to say, well, you want to teach our white kids in school, our kids, period, about, you know, America's awful past. So if you think it's necessary for the country to be able to hear the things, you know, take, you know, take responsibility for the wrongs that they did against African Americans and people of color. But wait a minute. Now all of a sudden you want to hide these you know, the Confederate soldiers and all these different things is not a part of the past. Why can't they stand there? I mean, you can hear it. You can hear it coming. So if someone came to you oh, with that argument. Huh? I already had that conversation with somebody. They approached me with that. Okay, well, there you go. So I was going to ask, my question was going to be, was if someone approached you, what would be your response? So I guess the more appropriate question did. is, what did you say <laughs> when they approached you and brought that up to you? So I was in a little town called Rosenberg, Texas, where Bobby and I go every week and we play bingo. And it's like Bel Air, Jay, or uh, just to get you to understand what it's like. Or it's like Pasadena. Right. So we were in there. We were talking about uh, Abbott um, stopping the voters' rights, trying to block us, trying to do the stuff with the guns. So it was just a couple of black people and a Hispanic lady, and we were sitting up there talking. So this other lady, who's white, whatever, who stepped in and said, well, I got a question for y'all. So y'all think it is so offensive that they are 
or stopping it being taught in school. Um, you don't like the fact that they're doing some things with voters' rights. And she said she didn't like some of the things that they were doing either. She didn't say all of them. She said some. She said, but what do you think about the people who are upset because you're taking away their history with the Robert E. Lee? I'm telling you, and she named. I couldn't even begin to tell you what some of these statues were. This lady named where the statues were, the name of the statues, and what the statues represented. We as black people just kind of sit there and look at her like, damn, how racist are you that you know where all of these statues are and what they represented? So she said, so how do you think those people feel? So you know me. I turned around and I said, do you mean those people feel or do you mean how you feel? Because it is surely funny that you know where all of these statues are and what they represent. So why don't you just come out and say how it offends you that they want the statues removed? Well, then we got into a dispute that she wasn't talking about her. I just stopped the conversation and said, you know what? I can't speak on how it offends you. I can't. I can only speak on how it offends me that we work so hard to get voters' rights and y'all want to take them away, or the people want to take them away, not necessarily you. So, Jay, that conversation, boo, is already out there, and that conversation happened, it was in June. It was in June, so it was right when Abbott started doing all of this mess, and it was going all across Facebook, so it was in June, middle of June, that this conversation took place. So it's not like it's not out there. She just felt that she could jump into our conversation and bring it up. And you know what, Jay? Y'all going to be so mad at me. I just don't give a damn what they do with these statues. I, I, my daughter had a great idea that they need to have an, a, a museum somewhere in the world where all of these statues can be put. Because even the statues of the racist white people who treated us like dogs and beat us with chains, it should be in the history books for the kids to be able to see who did it. If they take all the statues away, the black kids can't see where they came from and can't see who did it. So I think it should be in the museum the statues are in it. So well, I, I think. agree with what she said, but okay. I still think that they should be put somewhere. Okay, and, and they are. They're going to put them in a secure location until they determine where their final destination is going to be. And I think it's not the fact that you're trying to not remember the history because that played an important part of where we are today. You know, we talked about Juneteenth last month. You know, all but these remember, things play a role but in this. remember, right? trying to stop it from being taught in school. Well, I know that, but, but what I'm saying is in regards to the statues, I think the reason why – you know, you listen. You go to Chicago Stadium. There's a, a statue of Michael Jordan outside. You go to, you know, you go to different parts of, like you go to uh, uh, Corpus Christi, Texas. There's a, a thing and a statue for for S- Selena. You, you, you know. You, in other words, you, um, uh, you, uh, people that have contributed contributed something positive to whatever. You know that particular, like for example, Chicago. Uh, Mike, what Michael did for the Bulls and his organizations. This is a way to pay respect to the man who brought so much to that particular organization. So that's how you honor him. 
the reason why this has been a big issue, Mr. Elias, is because you have these Confederate uh, statues all over the country, and in high regards, as if they really did something noble. And when you really, you know, when you peel back the layers and really think about it, and like one of, like I read in the story, uh, you know, one of the people that witnessed the event of the removing of the statue said, why are we putting up statues of losers? They lost, right? And the history behind the statues in Charlottesville was the person who donated those statues donated those statues to that particular area because he wanted that area to be a whites-only area. So that's the reason why people have a problem with it. Put them in a museum. That's fine. But at the end of the day, to have them sitting there prominently as if they really did something, they lost. They they were enemies of the state. They tried to succeed from the United States of America, and yet still, like John mentioned, we have you know military bases named after these people. I was so proud of being from Fort Hood until I realized, you know, that Fort Hood was named after one of these guys, Fort Bragg. You know, military guys, you know, Fort Bragg is sacred ground. You know, pin those wings up on my chest. I mean, good God, and he's there, that's named after, you know, some Confederate uh, Army person. So, you know, Mr. LAS, that's the reason why it's a big fuss. That's the reason why it's a big deal, because it's like, why are we celebrating people who tried to divide the nation and who lost? Your comments. Okay, Jay, if somebody ever came to me and told me, asked me about the critical race theory, well, history needs to be taught, but I'm no, I don't want to celebrate a traitor. I don't want to celebrate a traitor. That's all well, that's that's we're traitors. So why would I want to celebrate a traitor? Because why? You, you want me to? No, you, you don't celebrate. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go to uh, Germany and, put, and see a, uh, a statue of Hitler there, would you? No, you wouldn't see that. I don't, I don't think so, no. <laughs> no, you would you wouldn't see a right. statue of Hitler there because he was a traitor. So right. why are we in America celebrating these traitors? I, I you can't get me to understand that. So now you want to stop people from 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 the 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 the, uh, the, the, the white kids from learning about the history that that of what their ancestors did to us, and and that's this is what you're doing. And the, 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 the professor from UNC who moved to Howard University, this woman's a critically acclaimed author, and they didn't, they didn't even want to give her her props and make her, give her a tenure. So is this, this is, you can't tell me that racism still does not exist. It's, it, it exists. Well, that's not the argument. Now, a lot of people say it doesn't exist. Why? 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 Why are we complaining? Why black folks got it better than they had it back in the fifties and the sixties? Well, you know, in some instances we do, but now they instead of the Klan coming after you, got the police coming after. So you know, it, it just it just changed different people. Bottom line. Bottom line, dude. This 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 whole deal, this whole theory of celebrating traitors, just it, it, it just irritates me for all these American patriots. For all these people that believe in America, look why you why you want to celebrate Robert E. Lee? He went against America. He fought against America. Start, it makes no sense to me. Well, but but let me, Johnny. I'm interested to get your comments on this one. Uh, for the folks who may argue, like Vanessa just told you basically what uh, what.
what she encountered. You know, Vanessa, there's this app called uh, Life360. I think I'm going to get to ask you to put that on your phone. I, I need to track you and Bobby's whereabouts just in case one day you, y'all don't show up someplace. I want to be able to know where y'all been because you, you scare me. You go to all these little towns and play bingo and do all these crazy stuff. You are right there in the thick of it. Good God, girl. So we're going to get that app for you so we'll know what's happening. But, Johnny, just, you know, let me get your comments on this. If someone approaches you with that same question, well, well, wait a minute. You, you talk about critical race theory, but you want to take down historical monuments. You know, now you're, you're talking out of both sides of your neck. What, what, what do you say or what would be your response if you were, were approached with the same I, question I, that I, Vanessa was approached with at a bingo hall somewhere in, you know, rural Texas? I will be honest with you. Uh, America's fascination with its criminals are, is, is documented, well-documented, uh, I mean, we still talk about criminals uh, like Al Capone, and so uh, that's that's not surprising that we would recognize them. But but I agree with with, with Les. You won't go to Iraq and see any more statues of Saddam Hussein. You won't go to Panama and see any statues of symbolism of. Manuel Noriega, you won't go to Russia and see any symbolism of Stalin, but you can come to America and you can see museums with John Dillinger and Al Capone and Robert E. Lees and all of the rest of the individuals who have victimized individuals within the communities because that's our fascinations with, 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 with criminals and thugs and, and, and gangsters. That's, that's who we are. That's what we do. But there's no way in comparison to the CRT, the, 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 uh, the critical race theory is, is nowhere in comparison to recognizing and honoring and immortalizing those individuals who fought against the union and the sovereignty of people. So, I don't, I don't see the comparison. I know some might argue the fact that that's part of history. That's fine and dandy because it's documented in the history books. And if you want to put them in, you know, private museums, that's fine. But to put them in public places is what you don't do. Now, am I one that's going to sit back and say that you should put, you know, uh, you know, statues and memorials and, and things on, on, on the courthouse square that are solely symbolic to African Americans? No. It should it, those are those are governmental places where people have no other alternatives but to go. If you tell me that they got a statue of Michael Jordan in front of the Coliseum, well guess what? If I don't care for Michael Jordan, I won't go to the game. You see, so as a private citizen, you had it right. But when you're talking about the about county buildings, state, local, and federal buildings, there should be nothing that replicates those individuals who who are criminal and fight against the sovereignty of individuals. So I believe that right there. So to to put it in books, what about the MLK Memorial? Three should John. be in books. Three well, should be in books. I, I really I agree with that. That's part of the American history. So put it all in there and let us read about it so that we can reconcile and come together. And for those who feel like they got the tone, that's fine. But for those who don't, then you know what, that's fine as well. But document history because you can't change it. So I'm good for that. But to say that you're going to symbolize it with, with schools, again, if, if, it is, 
if it's governmental institutions and locations, it should not replicate anyone that fought against the union and is not a part of history in regards to the to to making sure that people have their sovereignty and abide by the constitution. Now that's that's how I truly feel. Okay. Okay, and I thought you know, I, I thought I misheard you because I thought you said that you know you didn't care if it was an African American, it, it shouldn't be in front of a government building or it shouldn't be in a place where you know folks have to go to. And I, and I was saying, well, I don't maybe I misheard you because I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, we have yeah, yeah. I mean, like say if if, if you have like like say, say you know those individuals clearly okay, they, it depends on what side of history that you want, but they fought against. The president, they fought against the Constitution, they fought against the union and and the sovereignty of people. So, therefore, you can't recognize or should not recognize them in federal, state, and local places. If if it's on somebody's farm somewhere or if it's on private property, then, hey, you can't argue against that because that's part of the Constitution. People got a right to do what they do. But as a governmental body, local, state, or federal, then – or municipality, that should not be part – of your cultural acceptance documented in the history books because we should do that right there we should know about all the tyrants of the world we should know about all the people who have been acclaimed all the accomplishment because it's news and we need to all learn that whether it's, it's, it's asian whether it's hispanic latino whether it's caucasian whether it's african-american those are the found Irish American. Those are the foundation. Italian American. Those are the foundations of America. That's the core of America. So we should read about it because I truly believe this here. The more you know about a person and their historical aspect and their struggles and their plight, the better that that you can respect the fact that hey, we all have more in common than we have. Uh, that's in opposition to one another. We just allow those individuals with the loudest, most most uh, bombastic voice to sit there and continuously divide us. But when it all boils down to it, every every race, every demographic has a struggle and a plight that everyone should admire. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Vanessa, um, it's amazing. Some of these encounters you have with these people are truly amazing, and I mean amazing in the fact that I don't know how you do it. I, I mean, and, and I guess that's, I guess that's the beauty of you, or, or a part of your personality that's so accommodating that you will engage in these conversations with these people. I don't have the tolerance level for it. I could not get into a conversation with someone of the opposite race, uh, you know, about some of these issues. Uh, you know, coming at me, asking me these questions and, and, and all these different things, I don't know. See, my tolerance level is not there because I'm like, okay, you should know what's happening. I mean, I've had people have come up to me uh, uh, and had uh, conversations. The one time, I will say this, the one time that someone actually, I was at an event, <clears throat> um, it was a while back, and I think I even mentioned it on the show, the one time that someone heard me talking, they said, "Hey, wait a minute." So are you? He said, "Listen, are you that? I, I listen to a podcast on Blog Talk, and you sound just like that guy." So, which one do you listen to? Uh, it's called the serious side. I said, "Yeah, that's that's me." The one time out of all the years that someone actually recognized me from the show, I got into this. They just kind of cornered me and started peppering me 
Well, I'm sorry, it happened twice. Well, two times. There's another guy that that uh, that 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 heard my voice and said he listens to the show. But this particular, the first one that that I encountered, this was probably maybe six years ago, <clears throat> maybe longer than that, Mr. Elias, because GOG was on the show. It was the original thing. But anyway, we got into this. He started peppering me with all these questions. You know, it was like he was like the caller. You know, sometimes you get people that call into the show and they just don't want to get off, you know, get off. They just want to keep talking. Okay, dude, you know, you get two minutes and it's time for you to move on. So he was like, it's unfiltered, a direct line to Jay. Let me just start asking him all these questions. And I'm like, dude, leave me the hell alone. I mean, okay, listen, I'm not on the show. Uh, you want to get my opinion? Dude, I'm not an expert. I'm just a guy that does a show on, online. But how do you how do you do it? How do you engage in these conversations with these people uh, for whatever periods of time, and usually you are in some place that's really kind of off the off the beaten path. I mean, you're somewhere in some small town. And I'm like, Vanessa, stop before you and Bobby end up missing. How, how do you do in the last minute we have in this segment? There it is. That's how she does it. She says nothing. All right, three, four, seven, <laughs> Oh, my God. Thank you, Vanessa May Bell, for the Mackinac. Good gracious. All right. Uh, All right. We're going to step out. Take a break. 347-854-1277 is the calling number. All right, folks. It's time for the second edition of Mariana's Music Corner. That's coming up next, plus introduction to the panel. All that's coming up, and plus another segment. Keep it right here. You're listening to the Serious Side of the J-Rob Show. Online radio at its best.
much too much. Those boys are much too much. We got the spirit. We're hot. We can't be stopped. We got the spirit. We're hot. We can't be stopped. We're going to beat them and bust them. The smallest moment can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Welcome back. 347 It's the bottom of the hour. It's the serious side. Hopefully you guys are having a wonderful Sunday morning. Glad you guys are in the house. And it's time to say hello to the crew. And I'm afraid to go to this crew member because, my goodness, we've come to her a few times and she hasn't been there. Good morning, Vanessa. Are you with us this morning? Okay. She's not here. Okay. All right. Uh, Johnny D's in the place to be. Good morning, John. How are you, sir? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And the one and only Mr. L to the E to the S is in the house. Good morning, sir. How are you? Well, good morning. Good morning to you, my friend. And good morning, uh, Marion and Music Long. Good morning, Kathleen Williams Long. Good morning, Nessa Long. Good morning, Rich Sister Long. Good morning, Momo B. Long. Good morning, my brother Hawking. Good morning, my brother Jerome. And Mary and the Music, that first song was by uh, Spinning, it's called Spinning the Wheels, it's by Dusty Dex. And the next one was by uh, Eric Robeson, it's called Softest Lips. Softest Lips, all right. Mr. Elias, can we say hello to some people in the chat room, if you don't mind, sir? Of course, we have Yard Chuck in there and Covina Man is in there with us. What's going on, fellas? Our yard jockey, I'm assuming it's a fellow. Man, I'm, I'm sorry if I was wrong yes. about that. I want to say what's up to the pastor. A fellow, okay, what's up, bro? All right, pastor's in the house. Uh, Mariana Music's in the place to be. Somebody by the name of Billy J is in the house as well. Billy J, Billy J. Is that like Billy Jack back in the 70s? Okay. Uh, some folks, also a guy by the name of, uh, matter of fact, I'm not going to say his name. I'm just going to say what's up, Mr. O. I'll, uh, I'll tell the story based on the message that you just sent me uh, during the uh, State Your Case segment of the show. Interesting fellow here, uh, and plus everyone else. Good morning, and we appreciate you. All right, um, you know, before we get into the next topic here real quick, I actually, we talked about Scottie Pippen at the beginning of the last show when we were kicking it, and I went back, Mr. Elias, and I watched the um, interview that everyone was talking about with Dan Patrick. And when I watched that interview, man, I came away thinking, man, there's something wrong with Scottie Pippen. I think he's, you know, first I thought maybe he was trying to sell his book, but, man, when I watched that interview, I'm thinking, dude, I mean, are you on drugs? What is it, it, it was sad to watch, to be honest with you. Well, you know, hey, man, um, I was just some brothers, and they were saying that some of the things that Phil Jackson did say, say, was what kind of racist, you know, out in public. Oh, so, man. You know, I, I'm serious. And, and they said, and he, and he was talking about how when they, the, the people, like the Allen Iverson era, they, they were, the way they were dressed, they were like gangbangers. Okay. You know, uh, they didn't, they didn't okay. bring anything. He said, I went on this today. I hear you. But, 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 but hold up now. But, but this is also the same coach, uh, Johnny D, that said the smartest player that he has ever coached 
And his best player he's ever coached as far as temperament and his ability knowing the game was Scottie Pippen. You can go back and find clips about how Scottie Pippen praised and raved about Phil Jackson. Now all of a sudden, he's, you know, technically he's not, technically he didn't call him a racist, but when Dan Patrick said, well, are you saying he's a racist? And Scottie Pippen says, well, I'm okay with that. Like I said, I watched that interview, man. It was just tough to watch, man. It was like he was on some drugs or something. It was crazy. Yeah, you know, I, I have not watched it. I, I read some of the articles, but, you know, when you see it on, 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 on video and, you know, on, on live, and it, it takes on a different meaning than when you read it. So yeah. I, I, I didn't see the... The, the emphasis, the innuendos. Uh, sometime this week, uh, I'll find some time to look at it, so I'll be, I'll, I'll be caught up. But, but I, but let me let me say this: you brought up uh, Allen Iverson, and you know, and 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 Les, I don't disagree with with the comment that 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 your buddy said because I I don't know, um, but I will Phil say Jackson that, said it. You know, yeah, I, I, right, exactly. He said that his buddy said that Phil Jackson said oh, something yeah, yeah, about yeah, yeah. thugs okay, and gangsters and stuff. You know, what used yeah. to really intrigue me about Allen Iverson is how he used to, you know, boast about keeping it real. And I'm sitting up here saying, okay, you make $14 million a year. You don't know what real is anymore. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? But it, it, it's the persona <laughs> that those guys had back in that era, you know, that, that, that hip-hop, the braids, the gold chains, the coming in there with the baggy jeans and all the rest of the stuff on, you know, if, if that was the era and the NBA wanted to, to market their product differently, I didn't see any error, it, it, any issues with it. Now, I used to have great debate with people uh, who would say, nah, they got a right to be who they are. But you know what? As, as a person who runs a company, I can tell my, my employees how they need to dress. I can dictate an, an appearance and grooming policy, but when he used to step back and you know talk about yeah I'm keeping it real, you make fourteen million dollars a year, you no longer hood. So let's not pretend that you hood <laughs> when you make that type of money. I mean seriously, <laughs> you know. And it, I used to sit there and chuckle, man. You know how how you know yeah I'm keeping it real. No, you're not keeping it real. You riding around. You 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 got a a a, a parking lot full of Lamborghinis and. Porsches and, and whatever he had at the time and some yeah. million dollar house, that's not keeping it real. Yeah. That's not keeping yeah. it real. So he, he just, he, <laughs> yeah, I used to just say, man, y'all guys need to stop that food. But like oh, I do man. believe this right here, you know, when, when, when you run a company and you run a business and that's what the NBA is, then you got a right to, to determine your appearance and grooming policy. And if, yeah. you know, back in that day, uh, now again, I don't I don't condone the comment that Phil Jackson was alleged to have made because you don't you don't call people out like that, particularly when these yeah. individuals are, are, are your employees and you're and you're there to supervise and their development and their growth and coach the team. You know, you don't mm. critique them in that manner right there. But as far as that yeah. that whole persona and that style, I used to just chuckle, man, to say these guys yeah. these guys are something <laughs> else. And what's funny is that era of players are, are, you know, a lot of those guys are broke now. Okay, so that's um, true. That that true. era, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, so, but I know that that all these, you know, these sports leagues have gone far to, you know, have these mentors and coaches, and you know, make sure that yeah. the guys do better by their money. And I think that that's 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 high time to do that. Absolutely. All right, it's time to get into the segment. 
Online radio at its best. All right, the Biden administration is renewing its push to pass voting rights legislation. President Biden and Vice President Harris met with a delegation of civil rights leaders at the White House yesterday to discuss how to combat the wave of new voting laws driven by Republican-led state legislatures. President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris and White House officials met on Thursday with leaders from eight legacy black civil rights organizations in what was termed a very constructive dialogue. The meeting lasted one hour and 45 minutes and issues of concerns ran the gamut. Voter suppression legislation, sweeping state legislators, uh, the spike in gun violence in America's communities, police reform, and more. Pending litigation, pending legislation, I should say, in Congress was discussed, such as the For the People Act, which passed the House but stalled in the U.S. Senate, the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, and the George Floyd Justice and Police Act, currently being uh, negotiated by Senators Cory Booker and Tim Scott and uh, Republican Karen Bass, uh, Democrat from California. Let's start right there. Um, you know, we talked about earlier in the show, and I hope Vanessa's back with me. I got a message, but it didn't come through, so hopefully everything's okay with her. Um, you know, we talked about earlier. Okay, we talked about earlier in the show how uh, Joe Biden, you know, the right track, wrong track, and you know, listen, I'll be the first to say that as far as diversity as a part of an administration, I get, kudos to him. Really, kudos to uh, Joe Biden. You know, obviously, for the obvious ones like. For example, Kamala Harris being the vice president and a woman and a woman of color. Uh, but, you know, if you look at his staff, if you look at, you know, some of the directors and all these people that are a part of that administration, they are people of color and, more importantly, women. So I, I'll give him that. And he's meeting with civil rights leaders to talk about, you know, some of these things that we talk about every week here on the show. And he's making a big speech, I think, in Atlanta this week, if I'm not mistaken, uh, talking about racial issues. Here's the thing, and, and, and please forgive me for sounding – anyway, Vanessa, let me ask you, because when people say, well, the president's going to make this big speech, I appreciate he's going to make this big speech about race in you know, Atlanta, Georgia. It's just a speech. Right? I mean, I appreciate that he's acknowledging it, but – it's a speech, and what people need to understand is that he's the president of the United States, not the king of the United States. And I think that's where a lot of problems happen, and that's why I'm a firm believer in term limitations for the Senate. Because people say, well, you know, Joe Biden didn't get this done, or President Obama didn't get this done. Okay, he is just one piece of the pie. He just can't wave a magic wand like Trump thought he could do and say, I hereby declare. No, there's a legislative process. And when people say, well, he hasn't gotten this act done, it's not because of Joe Biden. It's because of Congress. So when he, so what do you think, when, you know, as far as him meeting with civil rights leaders, do you think that's going to be that's going to have a positive impact on some of these things that we talked about the George Floyd Policing Act, the John Lewis Voting Act? Uh, what do you think is going to happen? Or uh, how is it beneficial for the president to meet with civil rights leaders in regards to trying to get some of this legislation across uh, the finish line? Do you think it's going to be helpful? I guess I got a. 
I guess as long as he can make, I got it. As long as he can make the decision as to if it passes or not, which I don't think he can. He still got to have no, he cannot. Republicans with. So I don't think that meeting with all of these people is going to do any good. I don't think it's going to do any good. I, I don't. So it's more symbolism. It's it, it's just symbolism but as far as you're concerned. Yeah, it looks like he's doing the right thing. Yeah. But didn't he tell them, y'all, before he got in office that he was going to meet with them and try to push some of this stuff through? So maybe he's just trying to keep, you know, his word as to what he said he was going to do. I just don't know how much of an effect this. You would think that what happened after George Floyd, that that guy who just got killed wasn't even packing the gun, wouldn't have gotten killed. I don't see what any of this stuff is going to make any difference. I hate to say it. I just don't. I don't. Well, well, John, you know, same question for you pretty much. Uh, when we look at him meeting with civil rights leaders, um, they, you know, they talked about some of the big bills that are on the table. And, you know, it goes back to what I said, bef- you know, before I asked Vanessa the question. At the end of the day, the president is just one piece of the executive uh, of, that, of, of that branch of, of that uh, uh, the three uh, phases of Congress. So, I mean, so I mean, of the government, I should say. So, it's not like he can wave a magic wand, but most people don't really understand that to a certain degree. So, it's like, well, he said he would do this, and he didn't do it, you know, and that's the problem. You know, I remember when they talked about Guantanamo Bay, where President Obama said he was going to close it, but he didn't. And, you know, maybe that's a bad example because maybe the president did have wholehearted authority to go in and close it down. But, you know, after getting in and looking at the situation, saying, ah, it ain't as easy as, you know, it's easier said than done. But in this case, when we're talking about legislation, you know, the president can only do so much. He can recommend whatever. He can try to twist arms. He can sign the bill once it gets through the other two, once it gets through, you know, the Congress. But at the end of the day, he's kind of powerless, right? Never. Never. I, I think that the president and, and that office sets the tone on the agendas and the priorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly now that, that, that he has demonstrated a pathway to keeping people healthy and he's addressed the, the COVID, I wish more people would, again, it's your personal choice, but uh, you don't have a right to, to, to just walk around and uh, not mitigate and be in people's face because there's still people dying. But nevertheless, uh, the single most important legislation that he can pass at this point in time is the the Voters' Rights Act. Uh, The Supreme Court, as they have continued to pick apart, you look at the state levels that continuously uh, cannibalize people's rights and entitlements and free will to to just simply be American citizens and have the right to vote without the obstructions that the Republican-led states have have continuously demonstrated. Uh, President President Biden has a a small window, but yet he has time to push that bill through. There's got to be some negotiation. There's got to be some emphasis. Uh, I applaud the fact that, you know, he has done what he's done with the infrastructure bill. But was the infrastructure bill more important than people's voting rights? To me, not. So I think that you take your political capital and you push it towards making sure that before 2022, 
when that ah good gracious that 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 oh I started calling him ungodly uh, Mitch McConnell, but that uh, but that obstructionist uh, Mitch McConnell. Uh, gets back the Senate majority, and that's probably going to happen, okay? I mean, if history holds true, uh, House seats, Senate seats will probably swing back towards the Republican Party and make the margin so narrow that uh, you're going to have to, you know, really nickel and dime in the middle of the night and, and probably, you know, do some other things. But at this point in time, he has he has the forum, he has the venue, yeah. and he sets the agenda as the president. So I think he needs to take advantage of it, and he needs to push because what's at stake? What's at stake is is the party. What's at stake is people's rights, whether you are a Republican, Democrat, Independent, or, or, or what have you. That's what's at stake, and I think that he has to make that a priority. And yes, the president has the the the, the power and the platform to make sure that that's forever in the public's eyes and and keep it in 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 the court of public opinion. And I think that he 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 has the obligation to do that. Gotcha. All right. Uh, first and last word, Mister Elias, you get the last word, man. Thirty seconds, man. I apologize, man. Give me your thoughts on it real quick. Well, you know, some man, it's all about to me messaging. The Democrats are horrible at messaging. You know, if they if they if they put out there the same thing that Mitch McConnell put out there to his people, they 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 would be in a, a far better place. But they don't they don't message well at all. They 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 rather somebody else do the messaging for them. They don't talk about things that they accomplish. Just 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 put it out there. The, the Republicans go out there to their people and tell them what they do. And they stay on message. They stay on point. Well, I tell you what, that's a great observation, man. Good stuff. All right, NPR News update. Uh, state your case and final thoughts. All that's next. Don't go anywhere. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Bosch E-Bike Systems. Whether tackling a long commute, blazing up hills, or hauling your kids around town, Bosch has you covered. Find one of the hundreds of electric bikes powered by Bosch at Bosch-ebike.com. World Health Organization is warning that providing health care in Afghanistan is becoming increasingly difficult as the U.S. accelerates its troop withdrawal from the country. Lisa Schlein in Geneva reports 18.4 million Afghans need humanitarian assistance. WHO reports escalating violence is causing more civilian trauma cases and more health care workers are leaving their posts because of security concerns. WHO official Rick Brennan describes the current situation as fast-moving and terribly concerning. We're concerned about our lack of access to be able to provide essential medicines and supplies and we're concerned about uh, attacks on healthcare. Brennan says WHO isn't in direct communication with the Taliban, but it has received indirect requests to continue providing health services in districts occupied by the rebel group. For NPR News, I'm Lisa Schlein in Geneva. There's been a bit of a delay in British billionaire Richard Branson's trip to the edge of space. This morning's planned takeoff at a spaceport near the New Mexico town of Truth or Consequences has been pushed back because of thunderstorms overnight. The weather kept Branson's Virgin Galactic space plane from rolling out on time. The flight now expected in about 90 minutes. In tennis, the men's singles final is getting underway uh, this hour at Wimbledon. Defending champion Novak Djokovic playing Italy's Matteo Berrettini. Uh, Berrettini is trying to become the first Italian man to win Wimbledon. 
A victory for Djokovic would give him a record-tying 20th Grand Slam title. I'm Giles Snyder, NPR News. From the world famous chat room. Yeah, yeah, I got, I got um, one from Covina, man. He said, here in Los Angeles, it's rising in Corona among black people. Young people, young black people have a lot of conspiracy theories. I work with a lot of young people, young people who discuss the Illuminati and other conspiracies. They argue that generation has the internet, so they know more than us. They claim. <laughs> That's a good point because I have that issue with my middle daughter all the damn time. That joker thinks she's the smartest person on the face of the planet. My goodness. All right. Uh, Pastor Steve, he says, peace and blessings, family. Jay, I saw the story of the young white teen being shot by police, and I was hoping that it would be a topic of discussion for this morning. As usual, as you guys, as usual, you guys never disappoint. I invite people, both black and white, to listen to your program. And the sentiment I get um, – from uh, white folks, uh, white listeners, I should say, was that it seemed that the show only concentrated on issues pertaining to people, I mean, black Americans, which in my opinion is a ridiculous comment. So thank you for being true to the causes that this show champions every Sunday. Great show. Thank you, Pastor. And as far as uh, just to kind of remark a little bit on, on, you know, what some of your people or white listeners may think, because I, I get that, too, throughout the week. Listen, we concentrate on issues that pertain to folks that look like us. At the end of the day, we're going to call it like it is. We're going to call balls and strikes. Uh, you know, we have to focus on our folks because, you know, if we don't do it, who else will? You know, that's just the bottom line. Billy J, upstate New York. Good morning, TGRS crew. Great show. Kudos on the Confederate statue segment. All right. Thank you, Billy J. Mariana Music. Good morning, my family. Mr. Elias, I was feeling the mix this morning, a little neo-jazz and a very smooth lyrical masterpiece. Love y'all. All right, now here's a guy. <laughs> time for one more. Here's a guy that I was, was, was saying hello to in the last segment. His name is, get this, Mr. Oscar Old School Music <laughs> from Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh. Yeah, he's a J crew. Okay. Yeah, he's a J and crew. Been listening for a while now. I have a suggestion for a segment for your show. Why don't you dedicate uh, one of the music selections to old school music? I'm a big fan of Mariana, Mariana music, so I adopted the name Oscar Old School Music. I would love to meet her one day. She is a beautiful woman. Does she still have a BTR profile? Ooh, 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 calm down, Oscar. Okay, let me see. Can I dissect this a little bit? Uh, we'll see about the old school. Let's check with Marianne Music because this is dedicated to her. So she says it's okay, Oscar. Then, you know, we'll go. As far as being a big fan of Marianne Music, I'm pretty sure she's appreciative of that. I dig your name. The only reason.
reason why I read it is because of the story that you put, because usually I don't read nicknames. And as far as meeting Mariana Music, uh, that's on you. As, her, mm-hmm. as far as her having a page, I have no idea. She got off of it because of the harassment she was getting from some of the listeners that are in the chat room. And, uh, you know, she is a very beautiful woman. I hope I addressed everything that you said. All right, you know what time it is. Online radio at its best. All right, folks, it is time for our final thoughts. And, uh, you know, Johnny D, man, uh, your first final thoughts, uh, my friend. You know, once again, I am honored and appreciative of this opportunity and this venue that that, that, that this show provides. Uh, again, it, it is a an outlet for me. I look forward to it. And I, I pray that God gives me the tongue to be able to speak intelligently and informatively, but also truthfully. And that means a great deal to me. So again, my brother, I thank you for the venue. Les, I thank you for the guidance. Uh, uh, you are certainly the, the, the master of the ceremony and Miss Vanessa and brother Jerome. I look forward to hearing him uh, come back. Uh, Dr. Williams and Miss Jackie Momo B and uh, all the rest of those individuals that have become such an instrumental part of, of my Sunday and my life uh, before I depart. And I'm trying to take up Miss Vanessa's time as well. So um, I do want to, 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 to do a shout out uh, and a perfect combination, a perfect combination of athleticism and intellect was displayed this week with the young Zaila Avangard, uh, the 14-year-old who African-American yes. female who won the spelling. Yes, yes. I, I, I will be honest with you. Uh, when I saw her twirl around, that the age of innocence returned to me, and to see that smile on her face and to see that she was just as gifted athletically as well as uh, intellectually shows just a balance um, in what – I think young people used to be and what young people can be. I think this is the greatest generation. They just simply use their energies and their intellect in a different manner. And, and as, as, as parents who birthed this generation, we have to be able to catch up with that and be able to appreciate that. And, uh, but like I say, when, when she, when she's done her interviews and I, you know, I have just found such an innocence in her, don't know her, but the way that, that that her family has obviously raised her is just darling to me, and it just softened my heart, man. To where I didn't weep, but I just it was just an overwhelming sense of joy. Not because she was the first African American to win the spelling bee, but just how she just twirled around and just had that big giddy smile on her face, and how she spoke so confidently, but at the same time so softly, like a child. Uh, it just was, uh, you know, it, it was the highlight of, of, of part of my week. And just God bless uh, those moments right there, man, because those are moments yeah. that make me understand why it is just wonderful to be an American. Right. Good stuff, man. All right, Mr. Elias, man, final thoughts. Look, folks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on the platform of this voting. Look, if you don't get out and vote, you don't have a voice. And if your vote wasn't so important, why are the Republicans trying to suppress your vote? They're trying to suppress your vote for a reason. Because eight, when 85 million of us voted, 
for Joe Biden, they're trying to they trying to block you from even getting a drink of water, from bringing a drink of water, something to somebody to eat. They're trying to trying to why why is it the voting uh, the the places open? Why can't you mail in your ballots? Why can't you have ballot boxes all over the place where you can drop your ballots at? This is this is crazy. And if you don't see what's going on, they they they're trying to bring us back to the fifties, sixties, and forties, brothers and sisters. Get out and vote. And if you don't get out and vote, you don't have a voice. Yeah. So my final thoughts will be uh, brief. Uh, listen, uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone who tunes in every Sunday to listen to the show. It uh, means a lot to me personally because uh, when we first thought about the serious side and the creation of the serious side, really the serious side was a one-off from the Jay Rouse show because the Jay Rouse show was the main show on this uh, platform for the longest. It was the comedy show. We were on two nights a week. It was just get stuff, get vibes, and get feelings. But, you know, people were like, uh, you guys need to look at some issues, address serious stuff, and that's why it's called the serious side of the J. Ron Show. And um, obviously we've had so many shows in this network. We have Powerhouse Sports Talk Radio for a while. was the number one show here. But at the end of the day, this is the show that uh, that has prevailed through it all. So that tells me that people want to hear what we have to say. It's a message that we uh, try. This is a responsibility that you know we take seriously. And once again, we appreciate you hanging out with us. God bless you, and enjoy your Sunday. And we love you. So, Mr. LS, you know what time it is. If it's Sunday, and we're talking serious stuff, what time is it, my friend? It's time for the serious side of the Jay Rao Show. Folks, it's been a pleasure to serve you. So, for Vanessa Maybell, for Johnny D, and for Mr. Elias, I'm Jay Rouse saying have a wonderful work we can remember. If it is Sunday, and we're talking serious stuff, it is the serious side of the Jay Rouse Show. God bless. See you next week with God's will. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Network.